They're all saving one, or most of them, most of the Hampshire fielders are saving one. Somerset need one run. It's Edwards to Hildreth. He's there and bowls Hildreth, and he gets the run away through the onside, and Somerset have won. They've won the Royal London One Day Cup. Hello, you're listening to Always Look on the Bright Side of Life. This is the Somerset Cricket Podcast. My name's Ian Shepherd, and joining me this evening, I've got Steve Tancock, Dan Kingdom, and the voice of cricket on BBC Radio Somerset, Anthony Gibson. And, well, two innings victories in a row by an innings and plenty. Uh, defeating a, what was, uh, to be fair, a slightly depleted Gloucester side, but unless Graham Van Buren was planning on getting two triple hundreds uh, when he batted, I don't think that made too much... Uh, too much different to the margin of victory in innings and 246 runs. Somerset's second highest victory in terms of runs in their first-class cricket history. Dan, what was the first? Uh, it was... Oh, Leicestershire, sec- 2007 at Taunton. Yes. Ah, yeah, Leicestershire, yeah, 259. So, Anthony, when you said to Jason Kerr down at the Oval, things are going tits up, what are you going to do about it? He obviously, <laughs> obviously he didn't want another trip to the headmaster's study and... Uh, <laughs> They have pulled their fingers out with pretty spectacular results. Well, I think, you know, a bit of credit to Lachlan Stevens, don't you? Absolutely. New batting coach. And you know, they, they put in twice and, and get big scores on the board. And bat once, bat big, bowl the opposition out twice, easy game. But um, I think, I mean, I asked Jason what had made the difference up at the end of, of play on Saturday. And he said, you know, it's... 100 plus opening partnerships just you know sets up the whole of the rest of the of the batting order whereas last season time after time after time tom Ogle was coming in the in the first half dozen overs and and you know and james hildreth not long afterwards and so on and, and so forth and lamanby and renshaw really looked the part as uh, as an opening partnership they bat very well together they complemented uh, each other i think lamanby's learned a lot from batting um with renshaw and it's made all the difference in the world to the, to the, uh, the rest of the the batters coming in lower down, and, and the bowling is as good as ever. And you know, and and that goes right across the board. They all bowled really well at, at Bristol. Jack Leach was absolutely outstanding on a pitch that really wasn't helping him very much. It was just a great all-round team performance. Uh, you were up there Saturday, Dan. Unfortunately, I, I couldn't make it. But one of the things that struck me about the game is. We bowled them out twice, one by an innings and 240-odd, and Craig Overton, by his standards, had a pretty quiet game, which kind of filled mm-hmm. me with a bit of confidence for if if we do lose him to England, um, in the England Test squad for, for a few championship games. Um, what were your thoughts about uh, about the game? Yeah, I mean, obviously, Craig, uh, first innings, you know, he's only you know, just under four and over, you know, not really like him at all. He didn't take any wickets. Obviously, he was seemingly struggling with an injury, and obviously, we were all a bit worried, I think, when he went off on Saturday morning. Um, yeah, no, thank God he came back on and um, did take a couple of wickets in the second innings. He looked a bit better in the second innings, I think. I thought Gregory bowled well as well. I mean, he was a bit expensive at times, but he just looked, he just visibly looks a much better bowler. You know, he's struggled at times, as we know, in the last sort of year and a half. Like against Warwickshire, you know, his pace was up um, and he took wickets um, and he looked good to me. Um, and yeah, Leach, incredibly impressive. As another ground to his list of where he's taken a fifer, um, he's taken plenty of fifers away from Taunton. Uh, some some people may not believe it. Um, yeah, 
as Anthony said, just an absolutely comprehensive win against a team that was obviously depleted, but you know they're still a good side. This, they've got some very good players. You know, James Bracey, Marcus Harris, uh, in particular, got them out reasonably cheaply in both innings, um, and yeah, all went well from there. But Steve, there is a problem that we need to address. And that is Jack Leach cannot bowl to left-handers and he does not take wickets in the first innings. What are we going to do? <laughs> well, it's, it's, the, it's the classic lazy narrative, isn't it? Um, can I just, just slightly off-tangent, Steve James wrote in the Times on Friday a really good piece. He'd done a long interview with Jack Leach. And I'm not going not gonna to say anything about it other than there's a link on the blog Um or just go on and search for it. But it is really quite mm-hmm. moving. And I said, I tweeted that if I didn't think my respect and admiration for Jack Leach could get any more, and then I read that and it's gone up a quantum leap. Uh, and the the link to that in my brain is that Leach is saying that he actually feels confident in his body this season for his medical issues, his Crohn's issues, which maybe he hasn't for a couple of years. Um, and he, he quoted coming through the Australian and West Indies tour without any medical issues as being really important to him. And to me, from a distance and watching on the stream, etc., he looked like he felt he was going to take wickets. Like, you know, back when he was bowling in tandem with Don Bess a few years ago, um, control was good. And, and everything went right, didn't it? Because I think I've watched that Tom Abel catch to get Bracey straight after tea on Saturday about 50 times now on repeat because it's just it's just a stunning catch. It's a worldie. And, you know, that's the sort of thing when the world's going with you, they stick. And when it's not, it just scoops over your head and it's gone away for four or something. But, yeah, and the beauty of it is, Dan mentioned we were all worried when Craig went off. But if you look at the overs, the other bo- others bowled, it wasn't a huge amount, you know, because Leachy bowled, what, 45, oh, 46 best part of overs. And yeah, the others were all in the, in the, match, the te- yeah. teens in both innings. Josh Davey only bowled 14, and that bit of an over of crazy finished. So given that they were in, they're only in the field for, what, a day and a half, weren't they? So... Mm. Now, hopefully all fit and raring to go again. Um, I was, when I say I was really disappointed with Gloucestershire, I wasn't. I was delighted with Gloucestershire, but I was surprised at how poor they they seemed to be to me. Well, they, were they, missing off, they were missing an awful yeah. lot of first-choice oh, players. It was yeah, like us absolutely. against Hampshire. It was like us against Hampshire. There were, they were six or seven first-choice players down, and then to lose your captain... <laughs> injured, so he can't bat in either innings. I mean, you know, I said, I, I, Jacob uh, Bethlehem on scored the best part of 100 runs in the game. You take those runs out, and it really would be a, a very sorry performance. It was pretty dull. You got a feel for old George Scott as well. Fields for 150 odd overs and gets nailed first ball. Like <laughs> yeah. said, oh, well, we shouldn't lie. It's, it's nice to enjoy a bit of Schadenfreude at the Gloucester's Express. Oh, as you said, we. We, we had to deal with it first game at, down at Hampshire. And I was just thinking about this before the season started, really. For you to win the league, a lot of things have got to go your way and a lot of you've got to avoid the pitfalls of things not going your way. And I'm just wondering, have we endured too many pitfalls thinking about the Hampshire game and the pitch we played Essex on 
to mount a challenge. What are your thoughts on that? It's going to be very difficult um, because, because, you know, the sides ahead of us, they're mostly pretty good. Um, and they will probably produce pitches, you know, that are good batting wickets, guaranteed sort of high point scoring draws. Um, and it's at Taunton, it's going to be, you know, if we've, we don't really produce spinning pitches. <laughs> And Jack Leach isn't going to be available much anyway for, for, for the rest of rest of the season. And if we produce seeming pitches, we could get a um, you know repeat of what happened against Essex. So it's you know it is going to be very very difficult to climb up the table from here. We really needed to get a good start, and of course we didn't. And now we're playing catch up. And I think it was Steve said last week if we finish third, we're doing we're doing pretty well. And I think that's mm. a that's a realistic assessment. I mean, what's been pleasing for me about these last two wins is that the pitches haven't been particularly sporting. We've been inserted both times. We've got big runs, and then the pitch hasn't really deteriorated that much. Leach, you got a few to spin against Warwickshire and a, and a few in the second innings against Gloucester, but I can't think of any of those dismissals where the ball has misbehaved to an extent that the batsman can blame his dismissal no, on them. We, we genuinely bowled the opposition out four times in those two games, haven't we? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, the Division One table at the moment. As I'll wake wake my phone up as it's decided to lock itself. Uh, so Somerset currently sit sixth on fifty six points. Uh, Surrey and Gloucester will uh, both played six games, so they're top and bottom respectively. Uh, they don't play this week. Uh, Surrey top with one hundred and five. Lancashire eighty five. Hampshire 81, Yorkshire 76, Warwickshire 62, Somerset on 56, uh, a couple of points ahead of North Ants and uh, Essex respectively, Kent are on 40 and then Gloucester's bringing up the rear on 35. So Yorkshire play Warwickshire this week, uh, we take on Hampshire down at the Cooper Associates County Ground, so it's conceivable we could possibly uh, leapfrog one of those if uh, the results go our way and we get enough bonus points. So going into the break we could potentially be fifth and top half which after the start we had I think we'd have uh, bitten the cricket in God's hands off to get that I think this game on Thursday starting on Thursday is going to be a real test and it's you know I'm trying to be negative about two great wins but Warwickshire didn't impress any of us Gloucestershire were if we're being charitable like Anthony very depleted by injuries if you've been anti-Gloucestershire as I always have been all my life poor if we beat Hampshire who I think we all think are a top three side you know the top for me the top three you're still going to have to persuade me that Surrey, Lancashire, Hampshire aren't going to finish the top three um, if you if we can get a good result against Hampshire I think that will that will give us a lot of confidence going into the break and you know other teams in the division will probably be looking now and going oh hello Somerset are back you know they're all scoring runs people must be talking about Tom Abel we said a few weeks ago didn't we about his form and all of a sudden what's that however many runs it must be about best part of 400 runs in his last three four innings 150 two big out, two big hundreds 70, and 250 yeah, yeah so what, 420 I think something like mm -hmm. that I 
We yeah. do seem to have a good old slugfest with Hampshire, don't we? They stuff us, and then we stuff them, and then they stuff us, and, and then we're on top against them. So I think previous uh, previous form says that we're two pretty evenly matched sides, and I think it's going to be a, a really mm. decent contest starting on Thursday. And as you say, we do have to give some love to, to Tom Abel. Hun another big 100, 142 against the old enemy. Had a life on 52. I don't think that would have was really... A turning point in the game, given the given the margin of victory, but so nice to see Abe's batting well again, and being able to smile during a post match interview. Yeah, and he is batting as well as I've ever seen him. He's made a few technical adjustments. He's opened up his stance a little bit, um, and his trigger movement has changed slightly as well. And it it just seems to be working, although. It was a very fortunate let-off when he was 52 because, you know, as, as slip catches go, they don't come much easier than the one that Miles Hammond put down at, at second slip. And and actually, I mean, another ingredient, you know, another very important ingredient in the last two wins has been Somerset's catching, mm -hmm. which has been quite brilliant. Tom Banton um, put one down at, at short leg, but it was a, a very difficult one. And other than that, they were all taken in you know in, against Gloucester and some of them were really really I mean Tom Abel's obviously was spectacular the one that uh, Craig Overton took um off Jack Leach low down at, at second slip just managing to get his prehensile <laughs> prehensile right right arm that means stretching it. <laughs> it does <laughs> <laughs> but I mean that was a fantastic catch and and every time every time the ball goes in the air with a Somerset fielder anywhere near it you think this is going to be a wicket. They're that good. Just goes to show the momentum of good performances and victories, doesn't it? All of a sudden, you're playing with confidence. You're expecting to take those catches. You're walking out to bat expecting to score runs. You're bowling. You, you're not necessarily expecting to take a wicket every ball, but if you know you're just putting it in the right place, ball after ball and bowling to the plan, the rewards will come. I mean, I was just speaking to Steve before before we started recording. I said, what we got to moan about this week? There's literally nothing to <laughs> worry about. Some set of stuff, the old enemy. All the other results in Division 1 were draws, which uh, which obviously helped our progression up the table. Uh, the seconds beat Worcester today. Is there anything? Is there anything to be negative about this I've, week? I've got something I'm slightly concerned about, that Tom Abel's running around the county ground with a wheelbarrow now. <laughs> obviously, hitting balls with a spade helped him immensely. But I'm not too sure I'm that happy about our captain running around with a wheelbarrow trying to catch balls thrown up near a bowling machine, I have to, have to say. Well, I'll tell you what, when I was there for the uh, for the Warwickshire game a couple of weeks ago, Tom Abel looked more mobile with a wheelbarrow than the blokes uh, fixing up Gimlet Hill did. There was, a, <laughs> there was a, quite a few tea breaks. There's quite a few tea breaks. Yeah, I can't... Hitting a cricket ball with a spade, I can't... That would just be like digging out a Yorker every ball. There'd just be no. It'd just be bat jar after bat jar. Just wouldn't dead it? jars up yeah. your arm. I would think I, when you. It can't be any way to time it, can there? No, I mean the, the latest one. He's trying. To, he's catching a ball with a wheelbarrow, and he's wearing a helmet mm. just in case there's a, an unfortunate ricochet off the wheelbarrow into his face, which would be which would be a classic way uh, to get injured, wouldn't it? Uh, uh, Jason, why is Tom Abel not playing this week? Well, he was trying to catch a cricket ball with a wheelbarrow, and it rebounded and broke his nose. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's already been pre-recorded, thankfully. So I think we yeah. can, it's safe to assume he's okay. Yeah, I'd, I'd like nominations for what they're going to ask him to do next, and I hope it doesn't involve cranes or cement mixers or rollers of any description. It's got to be: Can Tom Abel finish Gimlet Hill in time for Thursday? 
Let's hope he can. Right. Um, yes, moving on from the uh, the Bradford's uh, promotional videos of they're getting Tom Abel to do increasingly uh, more and more ridiculous things. Um, England squad is going to be announced uh, in a couple of days' time, I think. Um, I don't want to chat too much about all the uh, the changes going on at, up at uh, up at Lords, but what do we think the chances are of Craig Overton? Notice I said Craig there, and uh, and Jack Leach getting involved. Well, Sergeman moves out for the season. I saw t- today. Yeah, lumbar fracture. Um, and Ollie Robinson, I think, had another injury issue playing for Sussex. So, yeah, you would you would imagine if there's going to be consistency in selection that he's going to be in the squad, although. And my favourite moment of the weekend, apart from the Tom Abel catch, was James Anderson getting Joe oh, yeah. Root neck and crop yesterday. <laughs> that was a beauty. And, and the way he celebrated was pure class from Anderson, <laughs> I thought, because if it had been me, I think I'd have celebrated a lot more. But you've got to assume Anderson and Broad will be back in the side. But I can't I can't see a way that Craig won't be in the side. Yeah, well, oh, certainly in the squad. In the squad. Yeah, sorry, I meant the squad, yeah. Well, well, Jack Leach, I'm not so sure about. Yes, Wokes well, who isn't, else is there? Wokes isn't around, is he? Yeah. Wokes isn't fit. Yeah, Wokes no. isn't fit. So who else does that leave? Wood isn't fit. Stone isn't fit. Archer's not fit. No. Uh, I think Craig is certainly in the squad. Sam Curran can't bowl. Um, no, that's the thing. I think I think there's I think there was discussion about maybe he'll be back in time. Well, yeah, I don't know. I think there was some discussion about him possibly bowling in time for the New Zealand test, but that Surrey's championship games have finished now, aren't they? For, for a bit, yeah. so he probably won't have enough. Hey, Jamie spell. might be in there. Jamie might be in the squad. That was what I was alluding to, Anthony. Yeah, I know it was. I know it was. <laughs> yeah, he's. he's um, I mean, he's bowling as well as I've ever bowled. Probably better than I've ever seen him in the sense in the sense that he doesn't bowl at least one bad ball and over. And if England, and he doesn't lose his rag if he, if he gets hit, and you know, and he's bowling really really quick as well. Yeah, he can bat. He got well, another ninety or ninety-four. Yeah, and looking around for genuine quick bowlers around the circuit who are fit at the moment, there it's, aren't that many. Yeah. No, there aren't. So we could possibly see Jamie taking Craig's place, which I'm sure would. Well, uh, I, I go for yeah. one of my another one of my all-time favourite county players who doesn't play for Somerset, and I think we ought to clip this bit and send it to Dave Bracegirdle. But I think about Luke Fletcher. Seriously, no, would never an England bowler. <laughs> he's a lovely bloke. But <laughs> Do you know what? He's the sort of bowler, though, that I, I, I know what you're saying, but he's the sort of bloke. He play a couple of Test matches, and he, he, I, I see him as like a bowling equivalent of David Steele from the mid seventies. He's, uh, I put him on a par with Jack Brooks because he's got, but he's. Got to be. Early oh, Jack mid- Brooks will be in the England squad then. <laughs> Fletcher's what early to mid thirties now. Yeah, yeah. He's got to be. In, got to be getting on there, isn't he? So carries a fair bit of lumber as well. He does. Adds to the character. Well, yeah. You, if you go beyond Craig and the people we've mentioned, Jamie has got to be at the top of that next group because you've got like the likes of Jordan Clark, Tom Bailey. 
Division two wickets. He's taking pots of wickets. Jamie's got the X Factor. He plays for Surrey. He's got the X Factor. No, he's fast. <laughs> he's quick. Mm. Potts is, is a you know he's a good bowler, but he's a typical English seamer. Uh, whereas whereas Jamie, you know, can can propel it down there at ninety miles an hour. There aren't many who can do that. It would be a proud moment for Somerset and Devon if we had both, both Overton twins playing in a test match. Absolutely. Just, just a quick point. Um, of the eleven seamers that England have used in the last few years. I think eight of them are injured at the moment, or, or in the case really? of Sam Curran, you know, not bowling at full pace and bowling, you know, the usual number of overs. So if eight are injured, it's, that's, it's... that's Craig, Broad and Anderson. So yeah, They're Craig, Broad and Anderson are oh. the only three that are fit, I think. Sam Curran, Wood, Archer Stone, Robinson, Wokes, Mahmood and Fisher, all injured at the moment. Which just is an indictment of England's pace bowling, how they manage their pace bowlers. Well, it's a very, very revealing statistic. Who's Rob Key going to hire as conditioning coach? Because that, yeah, that's a very alarming, alarming bit of uh, bit of news. Because if if most of them were fit, I think Craig would be struggling to play a test this summer. Because you know we all saw him bowling the West Indies. He wasn't really at his best, was he? I, I think I don't feel like his performances in the West Indies really um, warranted continued selection. If if uh, bowlers, if other bowlers were available, mm, but the fact that that's fair. actually means that Craig might get back in again and get another chance. I think they'll play Broad and Anderson properly now. I think they'll just play them both in every game, and then when they're done, they're done. I don't think they'll carry on this this farce of only playing one uh, and rotating them and and Because how long can you extend a, a thirty nine year old bloke's career for? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Are you trying to get an extra couple of test matches out of him when he's forty-five? It it just doesn't. It just you know he just needs to play every game, and then when he's done, he's done. As far as as far as I'm concerned, the same with Stuart Broad. He's what 35, 36 now. Play rest if rest if you need a rest. But oh, Anthony's mobile. We'll get we're getting a tour. A tour. I'm trying to cook my supper. I'm trying to cook my supper at the same time. Steak and chips again tonight. No pork chop. Oh, pork chops, lovely. Local lamb pork yeah. pork. Yeah, just from just up the road. Oh, lovely. Did you kill it yourself? <laughs> <laughs> oh, if anybody knows, if anybody knows a good farmer, it's got to be you, Gibbo. Yeah, um, and then Jack Leach as well. Do you think they'll? I mean, it obviously helps Jack Jack's case that he's uh, he's putting a really good performance up at uh, up at what's it called the Seat Unique Stadium. Are all the seats mm. unique there, Dan? Yeah, yeah, they've all they've all got special patterns on. It's That's a bit like Villa like carpets. Every seat is different. <laughs> it's funny because they all look really grey and dull and boring to me on the live stream. But uh, yeah, the ground itself is a bit. It's not my favourite ground, Bristol. Was, uh, before we get on to Jack, I'll just when I was watching the live stream on Saturday afternoon, I'm still, I'm still injured. I still can't play, so I I scored for uh, uh, for our uh, club on Saturday. Uh, but I had the live stream kind of with the with the sound turned down, um, and the score wasn't working. Very wise. The, the score wasn't working on the live stream. It was kind of stuck at whatever um, Gloucester's first innings had finished had finished on. So it was really difficult to to tell. It must. I think it was. It wasn't working on the app either. So I I will be corrected if I'm wrong. What I think was happening was that the Gloucester scorers play cricket wasn't working, which in turn I think feeds the ECB app. 
and feeds the live streams. Mm-hmm. I don't think somebody sits running the ECB app typing in every time there's a, a run going on. And then all of a sudden they got it working and you just saw the score going up ball by ball every every four or five seconds and eventually it got there. So it was quite it was quite difficult to watch kind of not knowing what the score was and having the sound out and not hearing if there was a wicket or anything. Because I don't know if anybody's ever scored with the radio on, but it is really difficult to not put stuff in from the radio onto your laptop or into mm. your scorebook. I've uh, done that a couple of times and never again. So Anthony, if you are if if, if I just shoot you a message um, next time you're on the radio, can you just say? And in the Somerset game, Tom Abel has hit that one for four, just so I can be, uh, <laughs> <laughs> be a little bit, so, just so I can, uh, I can uh, separate the two of my mind. Anyway, Leach versus Parkinson. Uh, it's done Jack the world of good, getting a few wickets, good wickets as well. Um, we touched on earlier that um, uh, the the falsehood that he doesn't take wickets in the first innings and he can't bowl to left-handers. But Matt Parkinson does seem to be the uh, a bit of the flavour of the month now. And if they are going for this so-called Red Bull reset, do you think they'd get rid of Jack and play Parkinson? They could possibly play no spinner at all. That's that's more likely, I think, than Parkinson being preferred to Jack Leach. I think, you know, um, Jack Leach is... Uh, I asked uh, Steve Kirby about him. Um because it seemed to me he was putting more energy into his action. And I asked him, I asked Steve whether that was, he said, no, he said, it's just rhythm. It's just rhythm. And I think it's confidence as well, going back to the Steve James piece mm-hmm. and the confidence that he's got now, that he's, that he's fit. He's, remember a couple of seasons ago, he was sort of tossing the ball from hand to hand. Mm-hmm. You know, and so we thought he had the year. Trying to sort of, yeah, he did, you know, sort of psyching himself to, to bowl, up to bowl. There was none of that against the against the Gloucesters. I thought he really, really bowled very well. He was varying his flight well. There was he was putting quite a lot of revolutions on it. There was a little bit of dip. He was aiming for the for the footholds. He really made the most of what was available to him. And what was available to him wasn't you know the sort of wickets that we got at, at Taunton three or four seasons ago. You know the old cider at bad stuff, where all he had to do was land it in the right area and the pitch would do the rest. He had to work really hard uh, uh, in the in that last game, and I, th- I thought um, in his streets ahead of Parkinson, streets ahead of Parkinson. And the, the the other thing that links the two conversations together is, I was saying he bowled so many overs and he bowled with control. And if you've got Broad and Anderson and a couple of less experienced seamers in the England side, having yeah. Jack Leach who can do what he did at Bristol, which is just not just you know, in the old parlance, hold up one end, but be a threat from one end and keep it tight, you can then rotate the likes of Broad Anderson, the two Overtons or something. Wouldn't that be lovely? You know, at the other end. So, oh, absolutely. But I I just get the feeling from reading stuff that Matty Parkinson, who's been who's been shamefully treated by England, I've got to say, in the last I, couple I of years. I completely agree with you, Steve, even with the Somerset, you know, promoting Jack Leach Howell and genuinely wanting Jack to play for England Parky mm. carrying the drinks for was it four or five tours he's been on now and, and not getting mm. a game he's yeah he's been absolutely shabbily treated by England um, mm. but just go back spin bowling is the one aspect of cricket where confidence and rhythm and being loose plays such a massive part if you've got 
any fear, any tension in your body, trying to bowl spin is it just makes it so mm. much more difficult. Speaking from my limited experience as a as a former leg spinner, I, I can tell you that there there are days when you just feel a million bucks and everything you try, you don't you worry about your action, everything you try comes out, you landed it on a sixpence. And then other days, you know, you're just a bit tense. You're not quite there, and you, you're struggling to hit the cut strip. Not that I'm saying Jack would ever struggle to struggle to hit the no. cut strip, but it just makes a massive difference. And that that article was, yeah, um, I think I retweeted. And it Don Best seems to have got himself into a place where he bowls incredibly economically, but he can't seem to take many wickets. You know, it's no. not. He, I mean, in the last couple of games when the Yorkies needed him to. To bowl, I mean, Lancashire batted for the best part of a couple of days, didn't they? And I can't remember what his exact figures were, but it wasn't, it was really economical, but not many wickets. I think the other thing, just to finish off on the Gloucester game, how well timed was the declaration? Absolutely, mm-hmm. you know, it's so, it's like being in opposition in politics. It's so easy to criticise the declaration because mm-hmm. you, you're not the one making it, but I think they got that absolutely yeah. spot on. You know, yeah. Surrey decided to keep batting and batting and batting, and it cost them dearly. And yeah, I think Tom Abel absolutely. You know, I know the others would have been involved, but I think they absolutely nailed that. Yeah, yeah. Mu- much more of an art to the second innings declaration than the first innings declaration. They're infinitely more difficult trying to wait up time left in the mm. game versus oh, yeah. runs you need. Yeah. But yeah, it was. Perfect. Yeah, five and yeah. Once you get past five hundred, you're thinking when when is the best time to declare. Um, I tell you one one other thing from the Gloucester game, uh, and that was the comparison between um, Bracey and Abel, uh, which oh, did Bracey no favour at the moment. Is he? He can't he play is, run at the abso- moment. Absolutely, you know. I mean, Abel is head and shoulders a better player than Bobby Bracey uh, at the moment. And you know, um, <clears throat> I don't know what's ha- what's happened to Bracey, but he was all over the sh- all over the shop. He could have been out any number of times. His confidence, he, though, that he, was, he was out. He, he, the LBW that wasn't wasn't given you know, the Peter LBW, but um, no, it's um, Tom. Tom, you know, I, I, the last thing I want. Well, no, it's, it's a stupid thing to say. The, the first thing I want is for Tom to play for England, but it wouldn't do us many no. favors just just at the moment. And the chances are that he'd get included in the squad. And then not not actually play, but mm-hmm. I, I think he just he needs a few more runs under his belt before he's ready, so that he re- he's really earned his place in that England middle order yeah. through weight of runs. In the same way, well, Harry I, Brooks, I think Harry, Harry yeah, Brooks, Harry Brooks is ahead of him at the moment. I think. Yeah. yeah, Harry Brooks and Ollie Pope as well. You know, they're, 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 I think they're bound to be in the in the lineup. But if Tom keeps playing as he has done the last four innings, it won't be long. And we could lose three um, to England. Just a point about England squads. Um, pre, if you remember pre-COVID, England test squads for home matches were generally 12 or 13 players. It would just be a preserve seam bowler or two. So if we're going back to that this year, then hopefully it won't be the case that a batter will be in, in the squad and then end up having to carry drinks or whatever. It may be that a seamer might have to do that. But I'm pretty sure on pre-COVID, seamers, the, the, the 12th man, that was named in the squad who didn't play. I'm pretty sure they were usually released back to their counties. Yeah, so with COVID yeah, restrictions yeah. now being, and you'd you have know, a like, member of the ground system. staff would do the sub fielding, wouldn't they? The only thing that has changed though is the concussion sub. So I don't know whether they they want to 
they'll need to they want to have the concussion sub at the ground or they're they're prepared to just maybe wait an hour or two for them to jump in the car from whatever ground they're playing at yeah 2019 ashes there were concussion subs allowed and that was obviously pre you know pre-covid i don't recall there being players at the ground missing matches for their counties to be a potential no, it, was only, who so, was it? it was only Marnus Labashain coming off of Steve Smith wasn't it and obviously they, yeah. the Aussies they were in the tour he was in the touring party anyway so we exactly, shall yeah. see but yeah it's normally it's normally what what we name in the in the, in the county squad isn't it it's you know it's the 11 you think you'll play plus a couple of bowling options you don't really select an extra batter do you in the in the not usually in the squad so it's yeah it's normally a 13 of the batters that you know are going to play and then a couple of bowling options whether you're going to play two spinners whether you want a, an english style seam bowler or somebody with a bit more heat there we go anthony's clattering around in the background how's the port going gibbo it's all right i'm just putting the potatoes on oh lovely stuff <laughs> Right, what else have we got? To, uh, should we have a quick chat about the seconds today? They pl uh, played a T20 friendly against uh, Worcestershire. Uh, Banton didn't get very many, but thankfully that was Jacques Banton and not brother Tom. Um, interesting, couple of interesting things I picked up from that game. Casey Aldridge didn't bowl but opened the batting. So I don't know whether that's a long-term thing or he's just got a little bit of a niggle... Um, that means he can't bowl. Oh, thank you, by the way, Anthony, for putting the mystery of Tom Lamanby not bowling to bed on whatever, yeah. whatever day it was at uh, up at um, up at the Seat Unique Stadium. It was he's got a, a he's got a, a niggle in his ankle, isn't he? Which is why he's not. Yeah, right. His right right ankle. He seems to be in the wars of it. Ankles, fingers. It's not stopping him scoring runs. So. His fingers still bandaged up. Yeah. Um. So yeah, but the big question which seems to have cropped up is Ollie Sale has played in all the championship second eleven games, but he hasn't featured in either of the twenty twenty friendlies. Or all three we had three, didn't we? We had two against Costa last week and one today. So mm -hmm. I I've not heard that he's injured. He was He was being... according to our man on the spot, Mr. Unwin, he was bowling in the nets with Kirby today. Mm. Did Mike her over? I haven't been able to establish what sort of role they they see for Ollie Sale in the um, in the blast. Whether he's going to be the death bowler, which was being lined up to be. Well, if he was going Executive to play any sort of producer role, producer for behind the wyvern, I think. <laughs> yes. Oh, I asked. <laughs> I, that was. Uh, <laughs> I did mention that on the uh, with the uh, the members forum with uh, um, Gordon Hollins and uh, Caroline Herbert, the commercial director, and Ben was uh, Ben was hosting. And I did just posit that they were they like to start calling it the dragon as it is a dragon. And Ben kind of uh, was like, oh, I know you're on the podcast, and I don't really. Uh, we've kind of adopted this, kind of called the wyvern now. And like, well, we shall keep fighting the good fight, Gibbo. I'm going to get the t we will. I'll get the t-shirts printed this week. It's a blimmin' dragon. How seamless was that to enable us to steer the conversation to the behind the dragon campaign? <laughs> Well, anyway, what I've it's kind of steered away from the Ollie Sale was being lined up to be the death bowler in 2020, injured the whole of 2021, back in 2022, now seemingly not playing in T20s. You'd think if he was fit to bowl in the nets, he'd be fit to run out for four overs. Well, not even four. Wow. They had plenty of bowling options today. He could have got, a bowl, got away with bowling one or two. So he does seem to be a little bit in the wilderness, Ollie Sale. He's nowhere near the championship side. 
The, yeah. Do we suspect a loan spell might be looming? As long as it's not the Gloucester, I don't mind. Well, it probably will be. <laughs> well, I just wondered if he, you know, if he was having a net, it may be that he's going somewhere for Thursday, and mm -hmm. therefore he's not playing T Twenty stuff. I, mean, I don't know whether Mister Unwin can enlighten us on whether he was having a red ball net or a white ball net, but you they, never know. They do like but to be ben very, Green seems very to be, particular about that, aren't they? It's, they yeah. always practice with the right colour ball, don't they? Ben Green bowled um, well again today. And, I mean, he obviously didn't do himself any harm back into the last T20 season. Mm -hmm. uh, it was a really encouraging performance. What was it? Nine wickets with seven overs to spare. Yeah, um, I've got the card up here. So Will Smead and George Bartlett put on about 80-odd. I'm only saying that because I've just sub my Cumberland's match report and put it up on the site. But, yeah, they were... They absolutely cruised home. Yeah, Worcester batted first. They were 117 all out with a ball to go. Uh, ben Green, 2 for 17 off 3. Goldsworthy, 2 for 13 off 2. Uh, Wicket apiece for Brooks, DeLanger and, and Max Waller. And then in reply, yeah, they strolled home. Will Smead, uh, 54 not out of 37. Casey Aldridge opened the batting. I did have a, a look at the few of, a few of the uh, the highlight shots on uh, on MV play. They were quite agricultural, some of the boundaries that he hit, but he made 19 off 11. And then George Bartlett, uh, uh, 43 not out of 30 balls, and they won with seven overs to spare. So it was I want, I want to know, Dan, when was the last time a Somerset second 11 unbroken second wicket partnership both batsmen finished with three fours and three sixes <laughs> <laughs> this is the first time this ever happened where was it about an hour ago <laughs> i did wind you up without a commentary Anthony, when i was looking that. i was waiting until we got that 500 before i tweeted you the last time we got 500 was about two minutes ago and then i spent ages looking for the 600 as well both against hampshire both at taunton and then hampshire both yeah. saved the game 400 for four Remarkably similar mm. games. Uh, right, what else have we got to have a chat about? Just pop over to some listeners' questions. We've got a few good ones this week. Um, Tim Knight says, Who will provide spin in the Royal Under One Day Cup as Jack Leach and Roll Offer in the 100? Um, Goldsworthy. Goldsworthy. Maybe a bit of Max Renshaw Waller. As well. uh, Max Waller, I don't think, is going to be at the, any 100 franchise this year, so he'll probably play some Matt Renshaw. cricket. So what have we got there? One, three. Did we say three? Waller, Renshaw, and Goldsworthy. Yeah, yeah. So it'll be Waller. So it'll be Wrench, Renshaw, and Goldsworthy. I don't think Max will play in the fifties. He didn't last year. He was at the Southern. No, Bay. Max is only contracted for T Twenty matches. Oh, is so that? that's only. I mean, obviously he's, he was in the hundred last year, but didn't play. I mean. He might he might as well be available, you know. He's, he wouldn't be playing in if he's you know if he's not playing the hundred, he might as well be a, be an option for us in the fifty of the competition. I'm sure he'd be happy to be an option, but yeah, I doubt he'll play much. I mean, he might if it's a turning wicket, you know, gives us something different, doesn't he? As well, rather than you know, might we might end up being sort of four, you know, medium. So it just gives us something a bit different, doesn't it? Yeah, and he's a quality performer as well. So yeah. I don't see any reason why Max wouldn't, uh, wouldn't want to go. Uh, David Wyatt, given that we are pulling away from the relegation zone and our batters are all now getting run, should we be, we should be targeting a win? And if so, what sort of pitch should we prepare? I think this is for the Hampshire game. And if we leave plenty of grass on it, are we taking a big risk if we lose the toss given the Hampshire seamers? Um, 
think we covered this yeah. before pretty much, didn't we? We won these last two games on pretty decent wickets. Yeah, same as Warwickshire plays. Yeah, came a cropper massively when we uh, prepared a green seamer for some unfathomable reason against Essex. So, yeah, same sort of pitch as Warwickshire, please. Peter Wanless, did we overestimate the Gloucesters and should this podcast be franchised? We'll come on to that in a minute. Um, I, I think you get into trouble when you overestimate or underestimate anybody. You play the play the game ball by ball um, and see what happens pretty much. If you focus too much on the end result, you end up um, looking too far ahead and not concentrating on the here and now, which I think was one of the reasons that Jason Kerr gave for the bad performances towards the end of last season. I think that was at a member's lunch. He was saying about we're focusing too much on the result and not too much on the process. And everybody knows about the old adage of batting, isn't it? Bat for 10 minutes, then you bat for another 10 minutes, then you bat for another 10 minutes, and so on and so on and so on. A bit of chat about the weather, the forecast, a couple of rumours that the forecast for the Hampshire game isn't looking too clever. It's all right. looks fine. Yeah, I've seen the Met Office. It doesn't look particularly sunny, but there's not much rain forecast, so it could be be a bit overcast. Uh, Where are we? Mike Unwin, question, is a 12 to 14 point draw now the norm for county championship games? Uh, well, that's a very good question. That is a very good question because some of the uh, county championship matches have been pretty dire mm. in this first round. And everybody said, oh, it's wonderful that, you know, batsmen are getting big runs. But you've got to think about spectators. Um, and, you know, when, when you get... 603 plays 450 for two declared. I mean, what sort of a game of cricket is that? Uh, I saw somebody on Facebook yesterday saying, oh, perhaps the answer is for county championship matches to go to five days. God save us from that. You know, it's <laughs> it, cricket is supposed to be an entertainment. And county champ- championship matches where, you know, where there's no prospect of result because they prepare an absolute feather bed of a pitch. Does, does cricket no favours whatsoever? It might, the ECB might like it because, you know, it's, it's giving batsmen a chance of scoring big runs and testing bowlers out on flat surfaces and all the rest of it. But as I keep saying, the, the county championship is not merely a nursery for England players. It is valid in its own right and it should be attractive and valuable and followed in its own right which was, of course, what um, KP and uh, Annie Chave were arguing about. We'll get on to that in a minute, Gibber. That's on the agenda. Don't you worry about that. On Twitter, but I'm, I'm afraid I'm completely with, with, with Annie. You know, I, I will yield to no one in my loyalty and support for England, but equally, county championship cricket is, uh, you know, it's, it's a hugely important historic and vastly enjoyed aspect of the game which is hugely valuable in its own right there seems to have been a bit of chat in the last few days i think sam dalling was at lords for various cricketer and various outlets and he wrote i think on friday about the dukes ball and there does seem to be you know dukes have said that no the balls are the same spec as the previous seasons but i think people are maybe beginning to wonder where where was it i saw one match there were 22 22 ball changes in one game. I think it was the Warwickshire Northlands game, which was 500 play 600 or something, wasn't it? But, hmm. 
Yeah, I, I think Jesus. Mike's. Yeah. I think Mike's spot on in terms of what we're seeing at the moment, and you know, I think if, if I'd have been with Dan in Birmingham, I think we'd have struggled on Sunday to persuade ourselves to go to Edgbaston to watch that. Much as we love cricket, <laughs> that, I don't was, think it was a that didn't get a product we want to watch it? terribly. Five nine seven not that I'm, for six. Not that I'm a huge five, fan of Edgbaston anyway. Is this? A, I suppose a hangover might be the right word of pitches improving this season and your dibbly dobbly county bowlers not having the effect that they normally would on April and May green seamers and is this is it worth taking this short term hit of playing on better batting wickets and giving that having to wait a few years for the bowlers to catch up Mm. That's a good one way of looking at it. Because <clears throat> I think another point is just that. Go Sorry, Dan, go um, I think another point is just that I think it just shows how difficult it is to balance bat and ball in terms of a pitch. Mm. Pitch it's so difficult to get pitch preparation perfect to 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 do a to produce a pitch that will give you a match that's over in you know three and a half to four days where there's a good balance between bat and ball and the spectators will enjoy it. It's it's so difficult, I think, for grounds for ground staff to 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 get that to strike that balance because we you know the majority of county championship matches probably are skewed too far one way or the other, and that's you know I don't think it's entirely their fault. It's just that it's very difficult to do, particularly with our weather. You know, I think the our change of weather conditions, you know, having to prepare pitches in March when it's not um, you know not warm, make makes it difficult as well. The fact there's so much cricket means that, that it's difficult to you know, get every pitch perfect. Um, there's not much preparation time between matches, all those factors. So I think it's just very difficult. And I, I don't think we're ever going to, as then it's going to be difficult to find a perfect solution, I think. No, you can't just pop a pitch in the microwave, stick it on for three minutes and it comes out perfect. It yeah. is, it's, it's, it's an incredible art. And I certainly doff my cap to anyone who's able to, uh, to balance how you, how you prepare a pitch. Cause I, I sort of agree with you, Ian. I'm just going back to what I'm saying about the ball. I wonder if, maybe what's happened is the pitches are favouring the batters and the ball is also favouring the batters or not as helpful to the bowlers as it was. And that might be, that might be a concern, but you know, no well, surprise if, if all of a sudden there's more, the seams are prouder on the next batch of balls and the next round of games do, or do, the next phase. say that they haven't been, they've bought this batch of, this lot of balls exactly the same mm. as, and they haven't been instructed by the ECP. I think I mean I'm you know it, I'm not groundsman and I and I don't envy them their task but um, if you look at the um, progress that's been made in greenkeeping in golf where uh, greens have got you know I played a fair bit of golf and greens wherever you go have got better and better and better and better and better I played golf at Burnham this afternoon greens were immaculate absolutely immaculate and we don't seem to have made the same sort of progress with preparing cricket pitches as they have done in preparing golf greens. And I just wonder why that should be. I suppose a golf green is you you don't ever get a bat. The aim with a golf green is to get it as perfect as possible. So you're always yeah. you're always looking just to make that 1% improvement. Let's get it flatter. Let's get it perfect. If you did that with cricket pitches, I reckon they could get absolutely perfect flat cricket pitches but what we want is what we want is yeah, so what we want in golf is fast greens mm -hmm. 
and what you want in cricket is fast wickets. Mm. That mm. that is the key, and I, and I don't see why why it is so difficult to produce fast wickets in in cricket with the climate that we've got and the drainage systems that are in place now, and yet nobody seems to be able. I mean, Old Trafford, I suppose, is probably the quickest wicket uh, in the country, or possibly Scarborough. But you just, you know, you don't see really fast tracks, whereas in golf, the greens have got faster and faster and faster, not just at, you know, at links courses, but, but, all, but all over the place. And, and I, I do think that, that, you know, that there may be a training aspect to this or agronomy aspect to it. I, I don't know. But if, if, if you get a fast pitch... It's, it's good for the fast bowlers, it's good for the spinners, it's good for the batsmen, it's good for the spectators, because it's, it's all, all happening. The faster the wicket, as a general rule, the better the cricket you're going, mm -hmm. you're going to watch and you're going to play. And yet pitches do not seem to be, rather than getting faster, they seem to be getting slower. Yeah. And, and, it'll and be interesting to circle back to this a couple of weeks into the blast and see whether there's any discernible, you know, if we're sort of suddenly thinking 220 as a pass score as opposed to 190 or something, then that, yeah, that's, you don't know, do you? If, if, well, they'll be using hybrid pitches and short boundaries and, you know. It's, it's to do with the type of soil, isn't it? The, the pace on a wicket. Well, you've got to, yeah. you've got to yeah. keep it reasonably wet because the one thing about the drain, the improved drainage, is it does pull the the moisture away from the wicket. So you've got to keep the square nice and wet, which means is that then making it a little bit slower. And it's, I would say, it's it's all about the balance, isn't it? It's it is a mystical yeah. art. I'm surprised it's not. It if it would uh, turn up as a class in the next Harry Potter film, Professor of Groundsmanship. <laughs> um, one from Grumpy Git. Uh, do we know anything about Craig Overton's knee problem? Was it is it a niggle or do we think it's anything more more than that? As, as his father and, and Mark didn't know that what it was. So I don't think it's anything very serious. Fair enough. Um, but he bowled eleven overs in the second innings, didn't he? So yeah. you'd, you'd assume that if they were worried, they wouldn't have asked him to bowl second innings. And finally, the best question of the week. Uh, Thatcher's Blood Orange Cider this is from Alex Vaughan does it remind you of Iron Brew in taste and colour and also oh he's asked about cricket now do you think the batting coach has worked his magic already I've not sampled Thatcher's Blood Orange Cider yet so uh, uh, Steve Anthony does it taste like Iron Brew I've never, I've never sampled Iron Brew <laughs> <laughs> no I haven't but I, I've got to say it's a it's a really nice drink for the right circumstances and yeah. I'm, I'm waiting for a nice hot summer's evening because I think it's going to be perfect then. I don't. It's not as drinkable as a lot of Thatcher's, a lot of cider is all year round. But it's it's. Re I really like it, and I know it might offend more discerning palates. But I'm very simple with my cider consumption. I like the taste of it. Is it a bit alka poppy? No, no, that'd be unfair. It's <laughs> it's just it's It'll just a sort of. A bit, it's a bittersweet taste, if you know what I mean. Oh, it's ideal to be a, ideal for the Somerset fan, then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would say what, perfect for the Evertonian up here as well, but I don't uh, want to say that. You'll go down well in, in North Devon. Thatcher's brew uh, produces specific cider, draft cider for North Devon, which is bright orange. <laughs> oh, lovely. And the and, and the. Um, 
the blood orange cider is also bright orange because they like their cider in North Devon to be bright orange. I've had some. I don't know if it's Thatcher's or not, but Diesel. That's lethal stuff. I heard it's got it's got various names wherever you drink it. Cheddar Valley Red, Diesel. It's called cider by Newton Abbott. It's absolutely lethal stuff. Right. Shall we finish on the? Uh, the uh, Twitter arguments between everybody's favourite pundit Kevin Peterson and everybody's genuinely favourite um, journalist and county cricket lover Annie Chave uh, if you don't know uh, Kevin called Annie some quite insulting uh, insulting uh, things on Twitter this is all mediocre uh, yeah and then he uh, he doubled down hold on I've got it here no I haven't Oh, I think Twitter's gone on to yeah. I had it all lined up with various different Twitter tabs, and it, it seems to have just put them all onto the notifications for the questions. Anyway, so Kevin's idea is to franchise county cricket, which I presume would be to set up six new teams, whether they're eight new teams, whether they're based on the same teams that play in the hundred or not. I'm not sure. And then the I've, got, you, I've, got, I've got what KP wrote. He said, Oh, Annie, keep being mediocre. You're the exact type of person that embodies everything that's wrong with county cricket. So boring. So mediocre. So afraid of change. And then he goes on, I'll apologise. You're actually very boring, very mediocre, very afraid of change, etc., etc." which I think shows a complete lack of class. And I, I'm with Andrew Strauss when it, when it comes <laughs> to my opinion of Kevin Peace. <laughs> I'm yeah, going to have to go, guys, but can I just finish by saying I think it's one of those things It says more about the writer than the subject or who it's directed at. Yeah, definitely. When you, uh, when you result to ad hominem insults like that, it really does show that you've, uh, you've lost the argument or you've not got a case to back up your argument in the... Uh, in the first place, right? Enjoy, enjoy your tea, Steve. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll love you and leave you. Thanks, everyone. Catch See you next week. Bye. Cheers, Steve. Yeah. Cheers, guys. So, playing devil's advocate, is there any merit to franchising county cricket? No. Because whenever you do something, you have to look at, <laughs> you have to look at the benefits and the drawbacks. And he's technically right that if you did pull the best. I don't know, 70 players out, stuck them in six teams, and then those six teams played each other. Yes, it would be a good standard. But what are the drawbacks of that? And they are utterly numerous. Yeah. First of all... You would lose a lot. That's the, yeah. that's the problem. You, 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 might, you might gain something in the short term by putting the, the best players together, but there's so much other, so many other things um, that, that you'll lose from cricket. And, you know... In the long term, it might just mean less players coming through anyway. So you won't actually get much of a benefit. In the short term, yeah, of course, putting all the best players together will produce a high standard of cricket. But in the long term, what if that means that players from Somerset are no longer have a pathway to get there? You know, mm-hmm. if they don't have a local team to support as well, then they're, they're not going to be as likely to, you know, to get into cricket in the first place. It's just, uh, mm-hmm. it's just ludicrous, isn't it? And it, fundamentally, none of us want it to happen because we all want to watch Somerset play at a high level of cricket and we don't want to become a feeder team we don't want to stop existing we want to watch our team play the team that means a lot to us and i think it's the same for every county fan isn't it thankfully i think you know most of cricket twitter is united against peterson most of men obviously all county fans you know none of, none of them want none of them want this 
So it's basically down to the counties. They need to just make sure that they don't vote themselves out of existence. So KP can just be ignored. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the England football team haven't won the World Cup or haven't won a major tournament since 1966. So where I don't see ex-players on uh, Twitter, ex-footballers calling for the, you know, the Premier League to be franchised and, you know, the top putting all the best England players in into six teams and they all play each other in a round robin. It's It's just... It's going to kill the pathway if nobody's going to, you know, if your county cricket is now reduced to watching effectively a second eleven like we see in the Royal Under One Day Cup, um, that's going to die. If your short format game is the hundred, that's possibly going to kill off. That you know that could get expand and kill off the T Twenty. It's oh, we've had a tweet. I just saw that Somerset Cricket tweeted. Let's settle this once and for all. What would you like the SCC crest to be called? I'd like it to be called what it is, Benjamin. A dragon. Oh my <laughs> god, sixty-one percent have voted Wyvern. That's only eighteen oh, votes. That's only eighteen votes, though. It doesn't matter. It's it's not it what it would like it to be vote. called. It's what it bloody it's dragon. What it bloody is. <laughs> Worcestershire are not the avocados. Glamorgan are not the uh, what's another yellow flower? The petunias. Yorkshire are not the daisies. Anymore, uh, Middlesex are not the steak knives. Uh, what sausage? See, uh, martlets. Uh, they're not the. Um, they're not the skylarks. I think. What's Kent? That's is that a unit? Is horses. that the horses? Kent aren't the donkeys. Well, maybe. Yeah. Maybe they White are. Horse, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Black so donkey. It doesn't matter what you think. <laughs> it's a dragon if you want to change it to a wyvern and call it the wyvern change it to a wyvern but this you'll have to change the, to the one that is a dragon it's a dragon it's got four legs and wings it's a dragon wyvern has got two legs and then sort of wings like a bat isn't it correct there we are so oh we've had some comments as well this this is interactive wyvern we aren't whales that was nephila well it's called the somerset dragon everywhere else and Danny replies, I mean, because it has front legs, it's technically a dragon. Yes, it is technically it's a dragon. Not. Yeah, it is technically. It is, yeah. yeah. yeah absolutely so, right, I mean, yeah. change it to a wyvern, and then we'll call it a wyvern. But as The Rock said, it doesn't matter what you think. That's a reference to uh, American Wrestling Gibbo. Not sure if you get that one or not. <laughs> uh, anyway, what are you talking about? Oh, God, we're rabbiting on here. Ben interrupting the... Uh, uh, the recording with a tweet. What are we talking about? Franchising and how it's stupid and KP's... Uh, a very rude individual. Uh, we were talking about pathways, weren't we, before that tweet came through? I can't remember now. Yeah, well, another point I want to make is that Kevin Peterson on Twitter was basically saying to Annie Chafe that her opinion doesn't matter because she's never played the game at a high level. He was basically saying that because he's played the game, he knows everything. But what I'd like to say to Kevin Peterson is that you have never been a fan of cricket. You have no idea what it is like to be a fan and he, you cannot see our perspective. He is just completely unable to see our perspective. And if he went to a few county games, chatted to a few people, went to some bass games, went to some county championship games, maybe he starts to understand what these clubs mean to their fans and their communities. And maybe he would be a bit less keen to rip them all up. Rip them all up. I mean, this isn't. Um, this isn't you. I mean, I. I believe Annie has invited Kevin on to the uh, County Cricket Matters podcast, which I believe is 
the third best podcast after Charlie Taylor's and ours, which are joint first. I think theirs is third. That was me blowing. <laughs> that was me blowing our trumpet. But, uh, it's, it's a very, very, it's a very, very good podcast. And yeah, Kevin has been invited on numerous occasions to to have a, a proper chat about this with um, with Annie and, and Sam. And yeah, it's, it hasn't taken that opportunity up. Just sitting, being a bit, a bit of a keyboard warrior with no real, you know, background to his franchising idea. It, it's it's just it's just all very unseemly and I well as you said Gibbo Andrew Strauss was right just don't don't do that when you're on BBC Radio Somerset next time will you if, 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 uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh right that's uh that's KP uh shot down in flames what's the latest update on the dragon versus wyvern pole this is uh, has anybody got a bot factory that they can use to uh it's a I count 79% wyvern's up to now if any of you are listening, give your give your heads a wobble. That's, that's put me on a sour note for tonight. Right. Um, any other business before we knock this on the head? Don't think I've got anything else on my notes. Oh, Western Storm Dan, they uh, played up yeah. in Cardiff, didn't they? Yeah. So they played their first uh, Charlotte Edwards Cup game on Saturday. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, they lost by twenty runs. Um, Amy Jones and Abby Freeborn scored fifties for the Central Sparks. Storm had a good start. Chase. They were ninety-one for one at one point. Um, but they lost Georgia Hennessy and Sophie Luff in quick succession, and then unfortunately the uh, mid Lord um, didn't have enough um, in the tank to uh, get them up to the target. So a 20-run loss, which wasn't completely unexpected. I mean, Central Sparks are a pretty good side. I still think Storm have got a chance in this tournament. I think the Charlotte Edwards Cup is probably the tournament they've got more of a chance in compared to the um, Hayo Flint Trophy. Um, so yeah, their next game is uh, on Wednesday. Um, Away to Sunrises at Chelmsford uh, in the evening, and it's going to be live streamed. So um, if anyone wants to watch some cricket on Wednesday evening, then that will be available. Happy days. Right, I'm just going to live reply to the uh, to this uh, to the tweet about whether it's a dragon or a wyvern. It's obviously a dragon. It's something to do with the with the uh, the old fan club, isn't it, Gibbo? So you. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the uh, supporters club um, back, you know, back in the from the sort of sixties on, onwards. They, they were the Wyverns, but the um, Mike Unwin has got a, a photograph of the Somerset official magazine from the nineteen sixties, which is called the Dragon. Yeah, I've seen that one. <laughs> the official, the official magazine of the, the club. The official I'm gonna, magazine. I'm Somerset Cricket well. Club is called the Dragon, and and and. And the um, the supporters club called themselves the Wyverns because they're a sort of inferior, mm. heraldic beast. You know, a wyvern is like a junior dragon. I'm just going to reply with the uh, that picture to the tweet as well. See, people are going to be listening to the podcast and looking on Twitter, and they're going to see this is like in, this is interactive podcasting at its <laughs> finest. Uh, the latest score is uh, let's refresh that. Wyvern 71, Dragon 29, 207. Should we keep recording until uh, Dragon is uh, winning or should we knock this on the air for tonight? Right. Um, you down uh, You down for the Hampshire game at all, Dan? Yeah, probably probably the Saturday and Sunday. I was thinking of going to Beckenham for the Western Storm game on Saturday, but because Somerset are doing so well at the moment, I kind of can't resist two days of Somerset in the Championship. So, uh, 
Yeah. yeah, I'll be up there as as much as I can, and uh, yeah, I'll pop in and say hello to you. And uh, is uh, Kevin James coming you down? Do that. Kevin James coming down? Yeah, Kevin will be there with um, perhaps with uh, Emily Winter or you know or one of the other um, Southern what are they Southern Vipers, isn't it? Southern, Southern Vipers. Vipers. Yeah, is that who Annie Shrubsole signed for now? Isn't she? She's left Western Storm and signed for those as a player coach. Well, I hope you've got the uh, the birthplaces of all the Hampshire and Somerset players committed to memory to uh, <laughs> restart your banter with Kevin James. Uh, but yeah, we'll, yeah, uh, yeah. we'll call that a day tonight. An hour and three minutes of your time has been suitably wasted listening to us and natter on about cricket. Uh, for Steve, who's having his tea, and for Dan and Anthony, we'll catch up with you next time. Uh, but best of luck to Tom and the boys against Hampshire this week. And come on, the dragon! Come on, the dragon! <laughs>